So as Quentin keeps playing, I want you to let, let the words to that song continue to, to flow in your mind, right? The song opened up, it said, walking around these walls. And as, um, as, they were, as the worship team was rehearsing this morning, I was literally walking around the walls in this building. See, a lot, a lot of people in the second service in particular are new to Church on the Rock. You haven't seen the different walls we've been in. You haven't seen the struggles we've had when we were not even sure if we'd be able to put bodies in this wall, in these walls right here. And here you are because God has been faithful. But then I start walking around the walls of the actual church. You see, the church is not a building that we gather at, right? It's a body that God is growing with you. And here's the thing. The, the lyrics, give me that first lyric that, that opens it up. That opens it up. Give me that first lyric of that song for uh, Do It Again. The first, like, slide. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Imagine if you are the walls, you, okay? And I walk around because I'm the pastor of the church, and I know you intimately. I know your flaws. I know your failures. I know your fears. I know the brokenness in your marriages. I know your addictions. I know the problems you're having with your kids and your spouses, your jobs, your finances. And so much of it, you, you would think that it, it'd, be, it'd be over by now. But God is so good and so, so faithful to this church, y'all. I can't tell you how many faces I see right now who have walked out those doors from pain, from hurt, from the church, and have come back because God brought them back. I can't tell you how many marriages I see in here who are ready to call it quits, who are sitting right next to each other right now because he has been faithful. So when we sing that song and we get to that part and we say, I've seen you move mountains. Because remember what I've said, telling nature that, can't, that doesn't have a will to do something is not that much of a miracle. But when human beings respond to God's will and stick it out in marriages and stick it out in church families, that's bigger than moving mountains. And so what happens is, it says, I, I, I've seen you move mountains, and I believe that you will do it again. Right? Like somebody in here right now is struggling, is hurting. Somebody's marriage is on the brink of collapsing. And the reason I believe you will be okay is because I've seen him do it before, and I believe he will do it again and again and again. He keeps bringing people through these doors. They keep coming in through these doors with different problems, different situations, and I keep believing that what he's done and the people that's in here right now, he will do for anybody he continues to bring through that door. He will do it again and again and again, and for that, I give him thanks. For that, I give him thanks. He's a healer. 
He's a miracle worker, right? And I believe that. So when you sing that, like, great is his faithfulness. He's faithful to us. If we just believe and trust in him. Amen? Thank you, Clinton. Thank you, bro. And so that's where we open up. This is one of those Sundays we don't do the good morning Rashad thing because we get right into it. Because I want you to have that on your heart right now. He will do it again. Everybody in here has been through something. Everybody in here is going through something. In fact, when I get to talking about the stuff I'm talking about, y'all like, why are you telling my business? I ain't telling your business. You're going through it. That's what it is. And he's faithful. He's faithful. We're getting back into Romans. Continue that five-year journey that's looking more like 10 now. <laughs> I want to be honest with you. I went down south to Arkansas for a pastor's conference that I got to preach at, and then me and Jason, we got fed by other pastors. First and foremost, I want to thank you because it's your giving that allows us to even be available to make that kind of move. Don't ever think um, that we're not thankful for what you're doing in secret that God only sees. We appreciate it because we can't go to that conference without you. We cannot make it, and we need it because um, we need to get poured into as well. So thank you first and foremost for for allowing us the opportunity to make that move and go down. And though I was preaching and I was feeding others, I got fed tremendously, okay? But that took my week, and then I ended up doing a, a wedding. Thank you, Lexi. You know, I ended up doing a wedding. Not her wedding. Sorry, not her wedding. <laughs> but but she, uh, her and Elaine suggested me to somebody who had just lost their DJ, so I got to do the wedding on short notice. Awesome wedding. But what happened was I didn't get to start on this sermon until 2 in the morning, <laughs> So um, I just want to be honest and upfront with you, all right? My time management didn't go the way I thought it would. I thought I'd work on it in Arkansas. It didn't happen. But this is what happened. God showed me something I didn't see Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He showed me something this morning I want to share with all of you. We're gonna, the name of the series is Real Talk. The name of the series is Real Talk. We're going to be in Romans 1.8. I just want you to see real quick. We'll, we'll show that again. But Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And the only thing we're going to talk about today is first, I thank my God. That's it. The series Real Talk is about prayer. A lot of us are afraid to pray scared to pray, don't know if we're praying right. Let me break it down for anybody, whether you're old, new to Christianity. Prayer is divine dialogue. It is simply a conversation between you and God. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. It is not some majestic hocus pocus of big words that you don't understand. No, no, no. Your conversation with God is prayer. This is why you should feel free to pray among anybody. You shouldn't feel scared because the people who may be judging you while you're praying and not saying what they think is a theological prayer, it ain't for them. You're not talking to them. You're talking to God. In fact, they simply get the privilege to listen to what you're saying to the king. So when I pray, I'm fumbling my words maybe. Maybe my heart's in some weird place and I'm working through these things. I don't care what y'all think. I'm not talking to you. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm not talking to you. In fact, when I pray, I'm allowing you permission and the privilege to come into the most intimate place in my life. Marriages out there, you want to know what intimacy is? It's not sex. It's prayer. That's true intimacy. Why? Because you, when you pray, you're saying things that nobody else has access to except God. You know, when I confess in prayer and my wife is allowed to hear that, that's something nobody else has access to. I have to invite her into that conversation with me and God. When, you, when, you, when you're standing up here and Dave just prayed, he's talking to God, something he doesn't have to say out loud for God to hear. So when you hear, you should, th- you should take, you know, thankfulness. You should be thankful that he's allowing you to hear what he has to say to God for you. You don't judge those who are praying or say, oh, that prayer was whack or that prayer was too long. Well, his are too long. His are too long. <laughs> Dave's are too long. He, cut, he remixed it for us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just got that. I was late. I just got that. All right. <laughs> sorry, y'all. All right, inside joke. We shouldn't do that. I'm sorry. All right. So anyway, anyway, um, let me get back focused. So, so Paul says, first, I thank my God. And like I said, when I walk around, I see so many reasons to thank God for everything outside of my problems and my situations and my complaints. How many of you have prayed to God just to thank him? Not, not to ask for anything. So you didn't say, thank you, Lord. Can you help me with my finances? <laughs> huh? Uh, thank you, Lord. Can you get my husband in order? Thank you. No, no, no. I mean, you fell on your knees and just thanked him for being who he is. And you didn't do it in response to some type of blessing. You just thanked him because great is his faithfulness. Because of who he is, you just thanked him. You didn't want nothing. God, I don't need nothing. I ain't ain't got no complaints right now. I just want to tell you, thank you for who you are. And I love how Paul opened that up. He said, first, I thank my God. So while we talk to God, the first point here and, and the only point of this is our appreciation. It's our appreciation. That's why we talk to God. And what you have to do is you have to step back and you have to think of God so that you can give thanks to God. I said, when my mind thinks of God, my mouth should give thanks to God. You see that? When my mind thinks of God, my mouth should give thanks to God. So you have to step back and start examining your life. I was with, uh, I was in, not in prison, but I was at the prison to see my brother, Andre, hadn't seen him since 2014. He's been locked up since 2003. And when I was sitting down in front of him two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, he could have been like, bro, where you been? He could have he said all kinds of crazy stuff to me, and he just said, I'm so thankful to see you. And when I think about what God was doing on his heart, that he still received me after being absent for five years, I give thanks to God. You see that? And while I'm sitting there talking to him, 
And we're kind of discussing the old days because he's been locked up since he was 19 and I was 20 back in 2003. I think about what God did back in that moment. You see, my brother got locked up on a very, very uh, bad situation that I would have been a part of. I would have been in that household had not my wife gave birth to our child, Genesis. If, if she doesn't go into labor those days, uh, I'm in jail right now. I'm in prison right now, serving probably the same sentence, maybe worse, because of my involvement in it. And I think about God in that moment, and I can't do nothing but give thanks to God. And if you step back in your life right now, Anybody here right now has got through something that the only explanation is God. Amen. The only explanation is God. And as a result, if you simply think about what he did in that situation, how can you not give thanks to him today? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So on the way down to Arkansas, Corey... Jason is driving. I'm just going to call it out now. <laughs> Jason was driving, Corey. Yeah, somebody said, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason was driving, and we're on our way down to Arkansas. Corey, I got on Jordans, some basketball shorts, a top, and a do-rag. Okay, a do-rag. Jason is driving... And Jason has a gun in the car. Legally, might I add, but he has a gun in the car. Now here it is. We get pulled over. <laughs> Jason looks over at me, and I want to get a little serious for some of this, okay? So there's going to be some laughter, but I want you to hear some of this. Jason looks over at me and says, Rashad, put your hands on the dashboard. Like, for real, because I have a gun in the car. And up here in Indiana, that, that could be a problem. I don't know what it is in Arkansas, but it could be a problem. Put your hands on the dashboard. I was two steps. By the time he said put, my hands was already there. I, like, I, <laughs> I already know the drill, Corey. I, I know this drill. My hands is on the dashboard already. You ain't got to tell me twice. So, but, before I, but even before I did that, I pulled my wallet out the little compartment in the middle, and I put it to the side because I don't want to be pulling nothing out. You know what I'm saying? Why he's saying we got guns in the car and stuff. So I'm like, nope, I'm cool. And that's real. And before I go further, let me stop real quick. I have police officer friends who I love, cherish, and adore. Okay? I believe in the police. I back the blue. But this is the reality of America. Okay? This is my reality as a black man. All right? This is, this is what goes through my mind. This is what I go through. That doesn't mean I don't like cops. If you just ask around, we have all kinds of correctional officers in here, okay? Like, we are the correctional officer church. I don't know what happened. I don't know how that happened. But I'm just being real. I'm just being real. So, so don't think this, that this is about to be some agenda I'm on. No, no. I'm trying to bring you to where I'm at, okay? So I put my hands on the dashboard, and the cop walks up to the car, and he's black, but that don't mean nothing to me. Okay? And he says, um, you know, while I pulled you over type stuff, Jason's like, yeah, we were speeding. And Jason had his hands out. He's like, hey, officer, I got a gun. And I thought, oh, boy, it's about to get real. <laughs> but he, as he's walking up, officer, I got a gun. <laughs> officer walks up. He goes, okay. I was like, okay. 
Like, that, that's it? Okay. So he's like, you know, he said, um, where's your registration? And we were in a rental car. He says, where's your registration? So Jason looks at me to get the registration out of the glove compartment. I ain't moving. I ain't pulling nothing out of You saw me get my wallet out before we stopped. I'm not pulling out that registration. So Jason has to reach for the registration. He pulls out the registration, gives it to him. He says, where are y'all going? We said, Monticello, Arkansas. He said, Monticello. He goes, let me, let me, let me, I'll be right back. So he walks away. I don't move. Jason keeps fumbling through stuff. And he said, he's laughing. He says, bro, I don't want you to think I'm laughing at you. I don't know your reality. All right, so I want you to know he was very sensitive. He said, I don't know what you're going through right now. He goes, I'm laughing because this is weird for me because I feel very free right now. He's fumbling through his wallet and everything, and I won't move. He didn't drop the wallet, picked it up. I'm like, stop moving, bro. <laughs> like, that's just real. That's just real. When the officer comes back to the car, I'm sitting here, we about to get a ticket, we about to get arrested, I ain't going to be able to preach, I ain't going to be able to blah, 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 blah. What's this going to do for my reputation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jason's like, ain't nothing going to happen, we good. The officer came back, and not only did he just give us a warning, but on the warning, and you can ask Jason, it literally says, gave directions, because we was going the wrong way, apparently. And <laughs> that's what happens when we... That's why we got a care leader team, because we would just go the wrong way by ourselves, right? And so what for many black, white, whatever men in America leads to death led to directions for us. I thank God. You see that? In that moment, when we, when we pulled off, I didn't move my hands for a little bit. Remember, Jason? And as we pulled off a little bit further and he told me, we're good, bro. I took my hands off, and I went into praise. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thanked God because that could have led to something completely different, and it just led to better directions to the location that we was going to. And so you see what I'm saying? I'm sure there's something this week if you just stopped for a moment and just thought about God you would have plenty of reasons to be in here singing at the top of your lungs, lungs and thanking God. And yet we walk in here with our voices low, worried about what everybody else thinks, instead of thinking about God and just proclaiming him from the mountaintop. So Paul says, first, I thank God. I thank him for what he's done. If you're married right now, if you have kids right now, if you're alive right now, if you walk through those doors right now, he's already done more than enough for you to give him thanks. But what happens is you walk through those doors and you ain't thinking about God. You're thinking about how long this sermon going to take. You're thinking about the game. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about everything except for God, and it reflects in your thanks of God. You're thinking of the problems instead of the praise. And think about this. Isn't this how it works? You didn't prayed for that job. Oh, Lord, I need a job. I need a way. Will you make a way out of no way? You get blessed with that job. Six months in, you don't like your schedule no more. You need a raise. 
you don't like the people and the boss and, and the traffic and woe is me. You prayed for these problems. This is what you prayed for. You wanted that job. He was faithful and gave you that job. Same thing in your marriage. Oh, if I could just have a husband. Oh, if I could just have a wife. Oh, if I could just have children. And then your child's a knucklehead because that's what children are. Amen. Amen. They just proven to you that the Bible is correct when it says we are born in sin. You wonder why they running around like heathens. They are. But you pray for children. This church prayed for a youth ministry and a kids ministry and a student's ministry. And then don't nobody want to serve them. Why? Because they bad. But these are the problems that came when he answered your prayer. You want to divorce your spouse. You want to leave your wife, leave your husband. It's just irreconcilable, soluble, whatever. I don't know what it is. You, you ready to go. You ready to walk out. You just can't take it no more. They're not really doing nothing but eating all the hot dogs or something. Like It ain't even serious. And you ready to go. And this is who you prayed for. He simply was faithful to your prayer. But when the problems come, you can't give them praise in the problems. You can't give them thanks when it's not going your way. See how that works? Paul says, I, I thank God. And here's the thing. We got to be careful because, once again, you may have never experienced the feelings I've had being pulled over by an officer as a black man in America. That's my unique reality that gave me a unique reason to uniquely rejoice and praise God, right? But it doesn't take away from the white woman, the white man, the black woman, the black man, the married woman, single woman, and everything in between, right? I was going to try to catch everything in here, but we diverse, so I don't know. <laughs> so... Check this out. It changes how we should even respond to other people's praises. Sometimes we look down on somebody's thankfulness. Like, 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 look at this. You, you Ryan, let's just say you, you were like, bro, I know, I know, I'm picking on you again. I, I get it. You're my boy. All right. Let's just say with the truck driving stuff, you're like, man, I'm just thankful to God that I made it back home. And somebody's like, what? It's a big deal. You made it back home. That's your unique reality. Right? Who are we to look at that and say, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal to him. Just like somebody may say, dude, you got put over by a cop. Big deal. It's a big deal to me. You know, uh, the stories I've told you about me and Clinton driving at night in the mountains of North Carolina. Y'all laughing, but I'm thanking God that I'm still here to talk about it because I can't see. Like, it just is what it is. That's why Jason drove. I can't see at night, right? So Clinton, when he's praising God, like, Praise God I am here because I was in the passenger seat while he was driving. Y'all laugh, but that's, Clinton, was it not real though? It was real. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Y'all laughing, but I'm dead serious. It was scary. So don't let nobody, don't let nobody kill your praise either just because they're looking down on it. Right? You, you, you made it to church three weeks in a row. Praise God. Somebody else may be like, what's the big deal? That, I come to church 52 weeks. I don't care what you come to church 52 weeks. I don't. 
And I'm here three in a row. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I thank God for that. Why? Because only he, only he is the reason I've done it. Only he is the reason I'm here. You see how that works? I first, first, I thank my God. So here's the thing. We may be shouting for different reasons, right? You got your unique reasons. You got your unique reasons. You got yours, you got yours, and they're all unique, and that's what makes us diverse. That's why I love this church, because we got different backgrounds and different reasons to give thanks. But it's the same God. It's the same death, burial, and resurrection of the same Jesus who died for the same mess so that anybody who believes the same thing, that he is Lord, will be saved in the same way. So if I can give thanks for my situation, if I can praise him for my situation, you can praise him in the same way for yours. That's how it works. And so I want, you, I want to bring you back to that story. My hands are on the, the dashboard, right? And here's the thing, y'all. I wasn't scared of death. Like, that's not what I was scared of. It's actually my privilege to be a husband, my privilege to be a father and a pastor to all of you, a brother in Christ in this community. All, all those privileges start running through my mind, and I'm just, I'm selfishly enjoying it. I know to be with the Lord is far better than to be here. So death wasn't what was on my mind. I simply was like, man, I, I got so much more I want to do for the people around me. And it, it just brought me into this place of praise when I came out of there unscathed because in that moment, I thought about all the things I'm thankful for. When's the last time you've done that? And you know what happens? Most of the time we don't do it until somebody does die. Then we show up at the funeral and we, we miss them because we didn't, we didn't praise God and give thanks for them while they were here. You see that? And so the reason I wasn't scared of death, look at this. This is an illustration uh, by this guy named Paul Chapel. Paul Chapel. Um, I'm allergic. Anybody allergic to bee stings in here? Anybody? Okay, there's one, a couple more. Okay, all right, y'all lucky people. All right, I'm allergic to beast things. I mean, like, um, uh, we, we host the NFL Combine here. They do, like, the 40, the 40-yard 40 dash. You put a bee behind me, I will break the record. I will break the record, okay? I don't mess with bees. My wife, every time they come around, she goes, run, like, run for us, like, run, right? Run for us, right? I'm out. I'm boom. You cannot catch me. Don't care how big I look. You will not beat me in a race if you put a bee around me. It's that simple, right? But there, there's, these, there's, there's this father-son in a, in a car after a Sunday morning driving back home on a nice warm day, windows down, son's in the back, and he's allergic to bees, all right? A bee flies in the car, and the son's in the back, trip, Dad! There's a bee! There's a bee! Like, he's, like he's, you know, he's strapped in, he can't get out. He's like, Dad, there's a bee! Like, this, I'm, I'm allergic, this bee will kill me. You guys have taught me. I can't get stung. So the dad, he's driving, and he reaches back, and he catches it. Boom! Right? Caught it, just like that. And just squeezed and let it go. When he squeezed, he didn't kill the bee. So the bee flew right back to the back again, in the back seat. And the kid was like, Dad! The bee's still alive. The bee's still alive. And he's tripping and he's screaming. Ah! And the dad was driving and looked up in the rearview mirror. He said, son, calm down. Look at my hand. And he looked in the hand. He said, what? What? What's up with you? He said, the stinger's in my hand. The bee can't kill you no more. It can only buzz. The Bible says, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your 
sting, right? Y'all ain't shouting about that. You got to be kidding me. What happens is the thing that could kill you, Christ took the sting. He took the sting, y'all. Like, I'm allergic to bees, so I get, like, that hits me in a whole nother way. That which could kill me was placed in his hands on that cross, so death can't kill me. It can only buzz a little bit in my ear. Right? <laughs> like, so I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of death. And, and, and as I look back at that illustration in that moment, this is what I say. He's already done enough for me to praise him. He's already done enough for me to give him thanks. I know you're tired. I know you're going through something. I know this world is a hard place and it's hard to walk in here on a Sunday or get up on a Wednesday or get up on a Tuesday and give him thanks because this world is hard. This world is cold. I get it. My marriage, Rashad, is struggling. You just don't understand. Rashad, my kids, you don't get it. My job, Rashad, you just, it's just so hard to give thanks. But I say look at the cross. He's already done enough. I have every reason to give him thanks. If everything in my life goes to hell, I'm not. And for that alone, first, I thank my God. Period. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care my circumstances, my situations. The Bible says it's temporary. The worst thing that this world could do to me is kill me. And he took the sting from that. You can't, you can't praise him for that. You can't find a way to drop to your knees every morning, every middle of the day, every night. The Muslims praise three times on clock. To the east, specific direction and all that, for somebody who ain't our God. You ever thought about that? Pe people who we believe believe in a false God show more reverence than we do for the real thing. That's like paying more money for a bootleg than the real thing. Hey man, I got these bootleg J's for 300 bucks. Bro, I got the same real deal for a hundred. That don't make sense. But that's what we do. That's exactly what we do. We got the real thing, and we take it for granted. We can't praise. We can't do nothing. No wonder they don't believe in our God. Because the people with the fake God are giving real reverence, real sacrifice, real respect, while we're sitting here with the real thing saying, I might sing today if they playing the right song. So he says, I thank my God. Everybody in the room say, I thank my God. I thank my God. Let's do it one more time. Everybody in the room say, I thank my God. God. Alright, I'm going to ask you a question now. When you say, I thank my God, are you thinking of the God that created you or the God that you created? Put on my slide, Leah. Not that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> when you say, I thank my God, are you thinking about the God that created you or the God you created? When you talk to your God, are you talking to the God that created you or the God you created? Huh? 
See, now go to that slide that you had up, okay? Now go to that slide for me, Leah, that one. We can't thank God because we think God should fulfill our wants instead of fulfilling his word. See, you got this God that you've created that is basically Will Smith Aladdin. <laughs> right? He, basically, you rub a lamp by saying a little prayer, and you use this little phrase, in Jesus' name, and you think it's supposed to come alive, Right? You, you nab it, you blab it, you claim it in Jesus' name, and the stuff you claim it ain't got nothing to do with Jesus, his name, or his word. In Jesus' name, I'm about to get $10,000. Good luck with that. I will be blah, blah, blah in Jesus' name. In Je- Don't listen to that. Te- that's false teaching. Bible says, if you ask anything according to his will, in other words, he already wants it to be done, so you're just telling him to do what he already said he was going to do. You see how that prayer changes things? When I read the Bible, I read 1 Peter 5, 7, and it says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares, then guess what I do? I cast my anxieties to him because he cares. I say, Father... I'm nervous, I'm fearful, and I have doubts about the church that I'm pastoring because I'm new at this and I'm still growing and and I just don't feel like I'm fit for this. But you said I could take all of those worries, ball, ball, ball them up, and send them to you, and you care and you're faithful and you will take care of it from there. So I declare, I claim that in Jesus' name because it's your word. And if you fail to be faithful to your word, then you fail to be God. So all I do is pray what's already in the Bible that's already promised. Father, you promised this. I'm just asking you to do what you already said you was going to do. I ain't trying to rewrite the Bible, but that's what we do when we nab, blab, and claim, right? We can't thank God because we think God should fulfill our wants instead of his word. You got these expectations of him. This is what he needs to do to be a good, good father. But you ain't even a good, good follower. Right? You're going to tell him how to be a good father and you ain't even a good follower. That's a child telling a parent how to discipline and raise them, and they a bad child. <laughs> you, I mean, we, we know what that's like, right? The child be like, you just don't understand my times, mama. I used to say that to mama. Mama, things are different. You just don't get it. My mom be like, boy, <laughs> I done done it, wrote the book, got the coffee mug, you know? And I'm trying to tell her how to parent me. But, he, but, but she's already been through it, lived it, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. And so what happens is uh, we struggle with praising God because we want him to be a God that we've created and not the God that created us, all right? So the song we're going to be singing at the end as I get ready to close out, this is about to be really powerful. Um, When we were down in Arkansas, we met uh, the father of the author of the song, All the Poor and Powerless. He's a part of our association and we got to talk to him and really like wrestle with him about some things. And the song we're singing, All the Poor and Powerless, I found out that um, it was actually birthed out of Psalm 22. So I'm going to take my last, I already took my last five minutes. I'm going to take another five minutes. And I'm going to read all of Psalm 22. Now, here's the thing. For all you Bible nerds out there like me, I am reading the message version. Ooh, I know, bad, right? Bad. 
Okay, here's the thing. I'm reading the message version because Eugene Peterson is a great man of God. I've never seen the message version as a Bible. I don't see it as a Bible. I see it as a commentary. And you guys read commentaries if you're Bible nerds, so I see the message the same way. In other words, for those of you who maybe have the message, it's not a word-for-word translation of the Greek. Uh, it's, a, it's a man's interpretation and summarization, uh, paraphrasing of, of the original. And so you don't want to put all your stock in that. You wanna, if you read the message, you want to put it next to another more you know, literal word like the NASB, KJV, ESV. You want to put those side by side. But for this... Uh, reading, I'm going to be putting the message version up because it reads a little bit cleaner and it gives you the depth of what it is. The first 21 verses are all pain when all you're looking at is the problems. And then the last nine verses are all praise when all you're looking at is the promise. And this is where the song, All the Poor and Powerless, came from. Right here, Psalm 22. So I'm going to read this real quick, and then we're going to stand up and we're going to sing after I give you the rock responses. So it goes like this. God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with pain, I called to God all the day long. No answer, nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. And you, are you indifferent above it all? Leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise, we know you were there for our parents. They cried for your help, and you gave it. They trusted and lived a good life. And here I am, a nothing, an earthworm, something to step on, to squash. Everyone pokes fun at me. They make faces at me. They shake their heads. Let's see how God handles this one. Since God likes him so much, let him help him. And to thank You were midwife at my birth, setting me at my mother's breast. When I left the womb, you cradled me. Since the moment of birth, you've been my God. Then you moved far away, and trouble moved in next door. I need a neighbor. Herds of bulls come at me, the raging bulls stampede, horns lowered, nostrils flaring, like a herd of buffalo on the move. I'm a bucket kicked over and spilled. Every joint in my body has been pulled apart. My heart is a blob of melted wax in my gut. I'm dry as a bone, my tongue black and swollen. They have laid me out for burial in the dirt. Now packs of wild dogs come at me. Thugs gang up on me. They pin me down hand and foot and lock me in a cage, a bag of bones in a cage, stared at by every passerby. They take my wallet and the shirt off my back and then throw dice for my clothes. You, God, don't put off my rescue. Hurry and help me. Don't let them cut my throat. Don't let these mongrels devour me. If you don't show up soon, I'm done for. Gored by the bulls, meat for the lions. But here's the story I'll tell my friends when they come to worship. This is the turning point. So you see how he's built on all these things that are physically happening to him, all these fears in, these worries without, all these things that are conquering him and the complaining and the things that maybe you're going through right now in your marriage, in your finances, in your job. Maybe you've lost somebody and you feel like he hasn't answered the prayers that you've been calling on for comfort. Maybe you're afraid in some area of your life and you feel like he just hasn't showed up and he hasn't responded the way you wanted him to respond? Can you feel that weight? 
Have you, have you said these things to God? Where are you? Where were you? Where have you been? I've trusted in you from day one, and I don't see you anywhere. So this is, what, this is where he lands. He lands in the promises that he knows are for sure. He says, here's the story I will tell my friends when they come to worship and punctuate it with hallelujahs. Shout hallelujah, you God worshipers. Give glory, you sons of Jacob. Adore him, you daughters of Israel. He has never let you down, never looked the other way. How do we know that? Because the Bible says it. Regardless of what you're going through, he hasn't looked away. He hasn't let you down. I know you feel it. But if he's allowing it, he's working something out. These are the promises. This is why one of the first things we ask you is, do you believe his word first and foremost? Because if not, you, you don't stand a chance in this world. He says, when you were being kicked around, he has never wandered off to do his own thing. He's been right there listening. Here in this great gathering for worship, I have discovered this praise life. And I'll do what I promised right here in front of the God worshipers. The down and outers sit at God's table and eat their fill. Everyone on the hunt for God is here praising him. Live it up from head to toe. Don't ever quit. He goes on and says, from the four corners of the earth, people are coming to their senses and running back to God. Long lost families are falling on their faces before him. God has taken charge. From now on, he has the last word. Look at this. All the power mongers, those are those of you out here who are in positions of power. Maybe your managers, CEOs, you got some money in your pocket, you live in, you're doing good. He says, hey. All the power mongers are before him worshiping. But look at this. The majority of those that are in this church, probably all of us, all the poor and powerless. How many of you feel poor and 